Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, I'm excited because we're starting a brand new series this morning. We're going to be talking about families, fighting for our, our families. And anytime we start a series where we're going to be talking about relationships and the dynamics of marriage and raising kids and dating and all those kinds of things, I always like to take a minute going into it just, just to, to kind of set the framework and set us up for success as we go into it. Because when you talk about relationships, marriages, parenting, those kinds of things, for some people, they carry a lot of hurt because of things that have happened, relationships that have fallen apart or things that have not gone according to plan. Some people have a lot of regret in their lives. People have made mistakes. None of us have done it perfectly. So as we start talking about these areas and what God's word has to say concerning these areas, we'll see maybe some things that we haven't done properly, mistakes we've made or things that we need to change. But when it comes to what we've done in the past, what's done is done. We're not going to allow the enemy to load us down with condemnation and guilt. We're going to let God shine light in our lives and we're going to walk in the light that we have. God wants to reveal things to us, not to weigh us down and shame us, but to lift us up and prevent us from making those mistakes ever again. So moving forward, we're going to apply. If we need to repent, if we need to make changes, we'll do that. But we're not going to let the enemy beat us up for things we, it's, we can't do anything about it now. Amen? Second rule, you're going to listen for you. It doesn't do us any good if everyone is here and we're all just listening on behalf of someone else, right? It's just a bunch of people hoping someone else is listening and no one actually makes any, any changes. So we can talk about a lot of things, have people nodding. I hope he gets this. I hope she's writing this down. And nobody actually changes because I'm, I'm just trying to change my wife and she's trying to change me and my kids are trying to just listen for you. Let, let God deal with your heart and commit whatever God deals with me about. I'm, I'm going to make that change. Third thing, if we're all in different seasons of life, maybe if we talk about marriage, like I'm not married, I don't care to be married, I never want to be married, or uh, I don't have a family, I don't have kids, whatever. I don't want you to tune out, I don't want to lose you in this series, because we'll talk about principles that deal with relationships, and so we can, we can always benefit and glean things and apply to our relationships, but also, as we talk about families, the, the church is a family. We are the family of God. So as we talk about uh, families with parents and children, siblings in the household, the same truths apply to us as brothers and sisters in the, in the house of God. As we talk about marriage, you're not married, you don't want to be married. Well, it's, it's the example of marriage that God uses to describe the relationship of Jesus to the church. So, so all of it is woven together. So all of us have things we can learn and grow and apply. Last one is extend, extend extra grace to me. As we talk about these things, you know, you don't always have time to balance. You can sometimes speak in generalities and stereotypes and people, well, technically, I, I know of a case where, okay, uh, just get the heart of what we're saying, right? And, and just extend me a little grace. We're on board with all those? Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for each person that's here today, God. I thank you for every family represented in our church. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given us to teach us and help us and counsel us. I thank you for your word that speaks to all these areas of our, 
our lives. And Lord, I pray you bless us with eyes to see, bless us with ears to hear, a spirit of revelation and understanding. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So families are incredibly, incredibly important. They are important to society. Families are a building block of of society. And families, more importantly, they, they are important to God. Your marriage, your household, how things are going in your home, it matters to God. Families are a high priority for the Lord. You know, it's not just something that as you read through the Bible, he tosses a few verses in there, just, you know, might as well address this. It's a priority. God cares about how your marriage is going or how your marriage someday will be, how your kids are being raised. He cares about all those, all those different aspects, and it is an incredibly high priority to him. And as you read through the Bible, you can see the, the place of priority God gives households. In the book of Genesis, it, As God finishes creation, he set the stage, created the universe. The first thing he did after after that work, kind of setting setting the environment for humanity was done. After that, the first thing he did was to create the marriage covenant, to create husband and wife. And shortly thereafter, children came into the scene. Long before there was other institutions, other organizations, there was was marriage. There was a family before, before schools, before churches, before any other kind of organization. The family predates all of those. It is a fundamental, foundational, basic building block of of society. In the New Testament, Jesus, when he began his his supernatural, miracle-working ministry of all places to do his very first miracle, what environment, what what context was it? It It was in a wedding, in a marriage environment that he began to use that miracle working power, which lets us know it's important to the Lord that he's willing to get his power involved in turning situations around in marriages. They they matter to him. What's the first commandment in the Bible with a promise? Of all of the commands and instructions in God's words, of all the promises that we have in Scripture, the Bible says the first commandment with a promise is concerning the relationship between parents and children, for children to honor and obey their parents. It's the first commandment with a promise that if you'll do this, things will go well with you and you'll live a long time on, on the earth. Again, it's the example of, of a, a husband and wife that God shows as an example of his relationship with the church, the family. God presents himself as a father. You can see that families are enormously important to God. Your family is worth fighting for. Your family is worth being highly intentional about and losing any kind of careless, casual attitude that you might have carried into, into marriage or raising your children. We'll just kind of figure it out as we go. How hard can it be? The enemy is serious about messing your family up. He is He's very serious about trying to destroy your marriage, trying to wreck your kids, pull them off course. So we as the people of God need to at least match his level of seriousness with fighting for our family and being intentional and getting in God's word and say, how do I need to do this to do it best? It's, It's a building block, the building block of society, families. How many of you took high school chemistry? How did so many people not have to take this terrible class? For those of you that had to take chemistry, how many of you were horrible at chemistry? <laughs> Every single person that took it. We were all horrible at chemistry. When I was in high school, I, 
I was so bad when it came to chemistry. I don't know if you guys broke up into like lab partners. You had to pair up and when you did experiments. My teacher used me as like a punishment for any, any other student when he would saddle them with being my, my partner because I was, I was no help. I was a detriment. Just sit there and try to make jokes while they were supposed to be working on something. I, I was terrible at chemistry. But if you can remember this, this very basic part of chemistry, what is the building block of all matter? Very good. And atom. atoms are the building block of everything in this room, the building block of matter. Now, what happens if you take that building block, an atom, and you do something to split it, to divide it, to break that atom apart? What happens? There, there is a release of energy, a release of destructive energy when you split an atom to the point that when you split enough of them at a time, that, that's how an atomic bomb is, is made or a nuclear weapon that scientists or whoever comes up with this kind of stuff, when they wanted to create a weapon of mass destruction that would inflict maximum harm, devastation, pain, take out entire cities at a time, what they did was go back to a building block, figure out a way to divide it, and nuclear weapons, atomic weapons, incredible levels of destruction. Now, it's interesting that families are very much the same way. They are a building block of society, the most basic, fundamental building block. And we even use that kind of language, atomic kind of language to talk about families. You ever hear someone talk about a nuclear, a nuclear family, kind of the, the basic? Because it's, it's a building block in society. And so similarly, when the enemy wanted to, wants to cause destruction, what does he do? Go, he goes to the basic building block, and if he can divide a household, divide a family, divide a marriage, split apart that basic building block, he, he creates a wave of destruction. That it's not just the marriage that suffers, it's not just the household, that it causes, causes destruction beyond that. Just like when an, an atomic bomb is detonated, however many trillions of atoms they have to, to, to divide to cause that, it's not just the atoms that are destroyed in the process, right? If we were to detonate a nuclear bomb right now, we wouldn't say, hey, bad news, we just, we just lost a trillion atoms. No, it wouldn't just be the atoms that were destroyed. By their destruction, everything around also suffers a wave of destruction. And it's similar with a family. The enemy wants to attack a society. He can go to the building block and try to start pulling apart marriages. Because if he can destroy a marriage, he can destroy a family. And if he can destroy enough families, he can destroy a society. That it's a destructive force. Not it, so your marriage is more than just your marriage. It's a, it's a wave of pain and heartache that will emanate from it if we don't hold them together. Your family's more than just your family. If a family falls apart, it's not just a family falling apart. There's destruction and pain that, that surrounds it. Your family is important. Your marriage is important. We, we've got to fight for them. But it's not just the destructive nature that, that influences society because a, a, a healthy nation is made up of healthy homes. And healthy homes at the center of them is healthy marriages. And so it works on every scale. For a nation to be healthy, it needs healthy marriages, healthy homes. It works on a town, a county, a state, a church. For us to have a healthy church, you know what needs to happen. It's not just what happens here on Sunday. We need healthy families. If we're going to have healthy families, you know what we need? We need healthy marriages. Healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy families, healthy church, healthy town, healthy community. 
a blessed state. And we started the, the nuclear atomic level, the basic, the basic building block of society. Our, our families are important. Your family's important in the church. Let, let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul, Paul is writing to Timothy, but it's, it's not really just Paul writing, right? All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this just isn't Paul ranting about something. It's the Spirit of God giving instruction. And he's giving instruction for if somebody wants to be a leader in the church. And notice the qualifications for someone that's going to be, this translation says, a, a bishop. Other translations translate it different ways. It's talking about a position of, of leadership in the body of Christ. Verse one, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church uh, of God? So there's a lot we could talk about, but what I wanted to point out is when God is going to have someone represent him in the body of Christ, of all the different qualifications he could highlight, there's really very little when it comes to talent, skill, ability, ministry ability. He mentions teaching is just one thing, but primarily what he's looking for is men and women of character, and then notice how much their household and what, what's going on in their homes, their marriage, their children matters, that it's important to God. That if you're, you're gonna represent him, he's looking for men and women that have made it a priority to invest their time in what matters to him, their marriage, raising their children. And if you don't meet those qualifications, then, then God doesn't want you as a part of, of leadership because it's that important to him in the, kingdom, in the kingdom of God. Your family is a building block. A building block in the church, a building block, again, in, in society. You know, another reason that families are so important is because families, and this, is, this isn't always the case, but typically, usually, uh, a person's family is their biggest source of support and, and encouragement. You ever watch people uh, on trapeze swinging back and forth, flinging people from one to another, You've never seen this. Hanging from a rope with like a little uh, stick. I don't know what it is. They just kind of hang there upside down and, you know, swing back, back and forth. I, would you ever be willing to try that? Would you ever climb that long pole, that ladder way up in the top and, and fling around? Well, sometimes they've got a big net underneath and sometimes they don't. So that would really make up my mind of whether I'm willing to try it or not. Because if there's no net, I'm, there's no way in the world I'd even try it. If that, if that net was in place... I'd be willing to get up there and try, right? I, I, would, I would at least attempt, swing back and forth, see if I could transfer from one to the, I don't know. It might be fun, fun to try. If there is a net, no net, there's no way in the world I'm doing it. Family provides a, a support system 
you know I can fall back on my family. I, even if no one else likes me, no one else is willing to put up with my nonsense. I know that there's some people that love me and care about me and encourage me and believe the best. And it provides a safety net for people to attempt things and do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. Even in the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The story of a, of a boy who squanders his inheritance, makes a series of bad decisions, ends up no friends, no money, no nothing, laying with the pigs, jealous of what they're eating. What did he conclude? What, what's he going to do at that point in his life? He, he squandered everything. You know what? I could probably go home. I could probably go go to my father and his household, his family. He knew when he could go nowhere else, he could go to his father. And some of us can relate in our own lives the importance of, of our families. You know, I, I remember when Beth and I made the decision to move to West Virginia. We were living in Delaware. We, we had good paying jobs. But we felt like God was calling us to move to West Virginia. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. We had an opportunity to come as a youth pastors. I had people in my life, mentors, people I look up to, telling me what a mistake it was. Don't go to West Virginia. You don't want anything to do it. It's, it's a dead end. No, nothing ever good happens there. People saying those kinds of things. We, we felt like God wanted us to take that step. It was a step that required courage. It was a step that required faith. In the back of my mind, and I don't think I ever vocalized this. I don't think I ever told my wife. I didn't tell my parents. I thought, you know what, let's try this. But what helped give me courage, because when you have people saying, don't do it, it's a mistake, don't, don't, you're, you're going there for less money and all, all of the different things, somewhere in your mind, you're thinking, I, I hope they're not right. Because there's, there's faith involved, right? You, you don't know. You're taking a step of faith. And I thought in my mind, if, if, if this is a disaster, if I just fall on my face, if we fail, I lose everything. I've walked away from my previous job. Worst case scenario, I can go to my parents. Worst case, I don't know if I never told my wife that. Maybe that would have, maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in West Virginia today if I told her that was my backup plan. We'll move in with my mom and dad. But in my mind, that, that gave me courage to take a step. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have been willing. There was a safety net that allowed me to walk in freedom. When we had the opportunity uh, 11 or 12 years ago, the church wasn't doing well, out of money, had to let go of staff, and I was given the opportunity to step into the position as, as lead pastor. In the natural, again, people advised me against it. You don't want to go down with a sinking ship. This thing is headed the wrong way. It wasn't a desirable position in the natural, but we felt like, we felt like the Lord would have, have, us, have us stay. Again, in the back of my mind, okay, if this is a sinking ship, this is, man, I'm just going to ride this thing into the ground and you know, have that on my resume that I've ended a church. Worst case scenario, I could take Beth and the girls and we could go, go to my parents and we could stay there and just put the pieces back, back together. A family, ideally, gives you a, a safety net, a healthy family that will allow people in life to take steps and be courageous and operate in faith in ways that otherwise they might not. And a church family operates the same way. To have a group of people in your life that you know love you and believe in you and despite your shortcomings and, and different eccentricities or whatever it is. They, they love you in spite of those. That's why we try to get people in a connect group, in a family within a family, that you would know, if anything else happens, I know this group of people love me and care about me and are praying for me and I can do life alongside of them. It provides that kind of safety net that frees you up to take steps of courage and boldness that otherwise you, you might not take. But family, families don't succeed by accident. Marriages don't succeed by accident. You, you've got to make a determination. It requires effort. It's serious. 
if we're, if we're going to succeed. Because in families and in marriage, love is unconditional, right? Love is unconditional. But fulfillment, enjoyment, highly conditional. It's very, very conditional whether you're, you're fulfilled, enjoying your marriage, enjoying your family. Love, unconditional. Fulfillment, highly, highly conditional. It, it requires intentionality. Jesus said, if you wanted to build a tower, a wise person doesn't just launch off in that direction, that they first sit down and they think about the cost. What am I going to need to succeed in this? What resources will I need? And once they've secured what is needed, then they proceed. Otherwise, they might get halfway through and have to stop, and it's an, it's an embarrassment. But when it comes to marriage, oftentimes, we, we just encourage people, hey, if you've got the right feelings, you think you really love him, you think you really love her, I mean, get married and, and start off. People need to sit down and first think about, do I have what it takes? Do I understand what I need, what I need to understand in order to succeed? And one of the keys of succeeding as a family has to do with acquiring knowledge. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. You know, when you read through the Bible, a lot of time a house is used as an example in analogies to present a truth. And while it's a, a good analogy, it's also a starting place for application of the truth that's being presented. It happens lots and lots of times. A man built his house on the rock. A man built his house on the sand. A house divided against itself. That there's principles in those analogies that we can apply lots of places, but what, what means of analogy does the Bible use to convey those truths? It starts with the smallest unit of society, a house, a household. And so in Proverbs chapter 24, Verse three, it says, through wisdom, a house is built. We'll read the rest of that verse, but it takes wisdom to build a house, just in the natural, right? So, some people understand how to build a house. I don't understand. I don't have the wisdom necessary. I've got some basic level of understanding just from casual observation. I know you need a foundation I know some two-by-fours are involved at some point. you got to run some plumbing. You don't want me building your house because I've got casual observation understanding, but I don't have the wisdom necessary to really construct successfully a house. A lot of times people think because they've got casual observation understanding that that's plenty, that's all that they need to successfully establish a household. The Bible says through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I like that. It takes wisdom to build a house, understanding to establish it, and it's by knowledge that the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. It doesn't make any mention of emotions. It doesn't even mention love. We're not against those things. We can talk about those things. But to establish and build successfully, what do we need? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to successfully build a house. It's true in the natural. It's true in any enterprise. It's certainly true when it comes to a household, a marriage, a family. Pastor Christine and I were talking about this, this passage earlier this week. And we started comparing it to Proverbs chapter three, which is interesting 
Remember that Proverbs chapter 24 passage. Listen to this. Proverbs 3, starting in verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heaven. It's the same language of establishing a house. By, you want to build a house, you need wisdom. It's established by understanding, the, even the same order. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Talking about blessing, what allows continual growth, what nourishes and helps along. It's by, by knowledge. The same way that God went about creating the earth and making sure that it was sustainable and it would get to enjoy blessing, he's given us the same advice to build our homes and to build our families. And if you pay attention in our culture, in our society, things are not trending in a good direction when it comes to marriage and and, and families. Amen. You, you, you don't have to pay very close attention to understand things are trending in a negative direction. And one of the reasons is we don't put a lot of value when it comes to understanding and knowledge and gaining wisdom. When it comes to our family, all we focus on is the emotional side that if you feel good about it, you, you have really good feelings towards him. You've got some emotions and you think that you love him. You love her when it seems like you, you've got all you need and we minimize the place I've got to gain wisdom. If I want to build this thing right, I need wisdom. I need understanding and I need knowledge. We minimize that. And it, it is a detriment to households, a detriment to families. You know, if you want to get a driver's license, you can't just walk in there with desire and get one. Man, I've got great feelings about driving. I even, I met a car that I really like. I'm really looking forward to driving you, that's not, there's rules in place and those rules are in place. Why? To minimize accidents, to minimize devastation. And so if you want a driver's license, first you've got to get the little booklet and pretend to study it for a couple of weeks. And then you go and you, what happens? You, you take a test. And if you pass that test, then you get, not your license, you get a permit where you can continue to learn and continue to gain wisdom. And then once you, you've practiced enough, then you can go back and what? You take another test. And if you pass that, then you get your driver's license. Before they will give you a driver's license, there are certain things they want you to understand. There's certain knowledge they want you to acquire. They, they want you to have a certain understanding of how, thing, how things work. Why? To minimize, to minimize damage and pain. Now, so there's obviously accidents, but when you think about all the cars going around, I mean, it's, it's amazing how few accidents there, there really are. Why? Because people have an understanding of how things work. They understand certain signals. When I see that, it means I need to do this. When, when I see one of those, it means I need to respond this way. And because people have that understanding, it minimizes accidents. But when it comes to a marriage license, all you need is a willing participant, valid ID and $56, and they'll give you, they'll give you a a marriage license and you don't have any understanding of the signals. When I see this, it means I need to respond like this. When I see that, it means I need to, to avoid, avoid that. There's understanding that is important in marriage and our society values knowledge and gaining wisdom in a lot of areas, but not when it comes to families and marriages. I, I mean, even about silly things. Have you ever bought a pet recently? go to the pet store and try to just buy. I bought my daughter's fish not too long ago and they were like quizzing me 
about what I was going to do with these fish, what size tank, how I was going to transition them into, into the tank and what kind of water and the temperature. And no, it's that size tank, you can't have four fish. You can only have three fish in that size tank. Like, like quizzing me, making sure I had the proper understanding to get these goldfish. Which is ridiculous when half the fish in their tank are floating upside down at the, at the pet store. I don't think you should be lecturing me on fish care given the state of your, your aquariums. And it doesn't matter what I do. You and I both know these fish will not make it to the end of this week alive. It doesn't matter what temperature the water is. But, but our daughter, a lizard, and you, they start instructing you about proper care and how to nourish it and what, what the uh, substrate. Is that the word? Okay, wait, wait, wait. what's this lizard going to be crawling on? Now, at this age, you can feed it pellets and small crickets. And in six months, they can graduate up to medium-sized crickets and all kinds of instruction about the environment and how, how to care for them. There's, there's more intentionality, making sure people have understanding when it comes to, to goldfish or a reptile than acquiring a husband or a wife and starting, starting a, a family. That no one's really con- concerned about the nourishment that's going to take place in that marriage or the environment that you're bringing that husband or that wife or those, those children into. It matters that we invest in acquiring wisdom and knowledge. If you head into marriage, you try to establish a household and all you have is emotion and good feelings, and you think you love that person, you are in trouble because emotions alone and feelings of love are not enough to sustain you for the long haul. And marriage and family is by, is by design supposed to be for the long haul, for, for a lifetime, not just until your emotions change. There's been lots of things that you like, you thought you loved, but you've changed your mind since then. Lots of things. I used to love baseball. I used to love baseball. I, I would sneak out of school to go to my friend's backyard to play home run derby. One place we lived, there was a, a minor league baseball team. I found a hole in the fence. I, I'd crawl through the hole and just watch, watch them practice, sneak into games. I, I loved the, the Yankees, posters all over my walls. I used to love baseball. It's not that I hate it anymore. I'm just kind of indifferent. It's okay. And you've got things that you used to be crazy about. You loved that outfit. You loved that restaurant. You loved that show. You loved wearing your hair that way. Whatever it is, there's things that you were so passionate about, but then that passion goes, no, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't wear that anymore. I don't go there anymore. I don't hang out with them anymore. There's things that you used to love and you become indifferent about. There's things that you love and then you, you hate it. You used to love boneless buffalo wings until you got sick that one time and now it's just me bringing up the... Buffalo wings starts to turn your stomach, right? Think things change. The way that you feel th- about things change. It's the same with people. That feelings are all over the place, and it's not. And I'm pro feelings. I like having good feelings. I'm for love and all of that. But the Bible lets us know if you think that you can build a family and a household on that, you are mistaken. Because emotions come and emotions go. And if I just followed the, the way that I feel on a day to day basis, every month my wife and I would get divorced several times, and then we'd fall in love and get remarried. It'd just be a, a, a constant cycle of that. There's got to be something more substantial that we're building our families on so they're not always falling apart and in states of disrepair. And the Bible lets us know what those things, what those things are. We've got to acquire knowledge, wisdom, understanding. F- families deal with real issues. 
not just how you feel. There's real issues families have to deal with. Communication, leadership, conflict resolution, handling money, budgeting, all kinds of different issues you encounter with, with parenting. There's real issues that, that emotions aren't gonna cut it. Well, I don't know how to ha handle that, but I feel okay. It doesn't matter how you feel. There's things that need to be managed to have a successful, a successful family. So we need to acquire wisdom, knowledge, understanding. How do we acquire knowledge? There are way too many variables in our lives just to give some kind of general template for a successful marriage, right? People are different. Situations are different. Preferences are different. Experiences are different. People are different ages, different seasons, different family background. There are just way too many variables to build our marriages on other people's experience and opinions and preferences. Because someone can say, hey, here's what I found and share advice with you that may not apply at all because you, your family is unique. Your spouse is unique. You are unique. So you can't just give general, general uh advice based on your experience and what has worked for you. We can learn things from that, but you, you can't build on that. You can't build on someone else's opinion or experience. You know, someone could tell you, hey, listen, here's one thing I've learned in marriage. You want every day to go well? I've found that if you wake your spouse up by singing a love song over them, just them waking up to the sound of your voice singing, Man, it's, it works like magic. It's just gonna start the day off. There's gonna be a sweetness. And just, you just continue after marriage and you're gonna be golden. Listen, that might work for someone, but then others of us, if we tried that, it, it would start a, an issue, right? What, what did you just, what do you think you're doing? Sing, I, I was sleeping and you, you were singing, spinning around in the bedroom singing a song. Right, so it might work for someone, but just because it works for them doesn't mean we can just copy and paste it into our own marriage. If, you're, if your wife is stressed, someone might say, hey, if your wife is stressed, you can tell us things are bothering her, make her a cup of tea and tell her to relax. And if you do that, man, I can tell you with my wife, that would not work. Not only does she not like tea, for whatever reason, when I say to relax, it doesn't relax her. I'll tell you. I haven't quite figured it out. She would rather I dog cuss her than to, to, say, to say relax. It's like fighting words. So for some people, hey, hey, just have a cup of tea, relax. That, that might work. It, wouldn't, it work, wouldn't work for my marriage. So it's, it's not, we can't base things and build really on people's opinions and people's experiences and, and people's preferences. And really experience isn't necessarily a good teacher either. Just because people have experience doesn't mean that they've learned enough to speak into your marriage and it, and it be valid. Because someone can be married for 50 years. They didn't necessarily learn anything over the course of those 50 years. It could have been 50 years of misery. It could have been 50 years where he's a tyrant and she's, she would love to get out of there. She just doesn't know how. So just because they've stayed married for 50 years doesn't mean that they've, they've learned anything worth applying in your marriage. So where, where do we go for, for wisdom? Where do we go for knowledge? Where do we go for understanding? Because it's, it's not experience. Even in the Bible, the people that really teach us about marriage in the Bible don't have experience. God never married. Jesus, Jesus, you read through the Gospels, he'll speak about marriage, not married. Engaged, soon to be married, currently not married. Paul, 
Paul writes extensively about marriage. He didn't have experience. So if he's speaking, then where, where is this wisdom and understanding coming from? It's not coming from experience. That if we want to build a, a solid foundation with wisdom and understanding, that we have to rely on God's word and on the leading of his Holy Spirit. And we, we can glean things. Hopefully you do learn with experience. But ultimately, that's not our teacher. We've got to go to the word of God. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 7. When you look at, at marriage statistics, the divorce rate in the United States is somewhere between 40 and 50% for first marriages. Second marriages, the divorce rate goes up to 60 to 70%. So if experience was a good way to learn about marriage, then you'd think people on their second go-round would have it figured out, but actually the, the failure rate is higher. So it, it's not experience. We've got to build our lives on on the word of God. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Great was its fall. So he's using the example of a house again. So you can apply this truth in every area of our lives, but the starting point one key point of application is in our homes to our, to our households. This lets us know that all homes, all households have wind, have rain, have trying seasons, have difficulties, have things that they've got to navigate and figure out as they go through life. And that there are some that when the rains come, when the floodwaters rise, when difficulty comes, they don't have what it takes to sustain that family, to hold that marriage together. That all it takes is some wind and some rain and things fall apart and all of us know or have experienced that the, the validity of what he's saying. Some things fall apart when it gets stormy, but he's also letting us know there's another way to build your home. There's another way to build your house. There's another way to construct your marriage that when the winds come and the rain is falling and your house is taking a beating from the outside and the floodwaters are rising, that you stand strong and you're not moved. And after the storm, you're still there, that you can let it rain you can let the wind blow and you're inside with your rooms that you filled with pleasing and pleasant riches because you built your house with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And it's important that we make a decision. We're going to build our families on the word of God. Amen. That when the storms come and they're going to come, difficulties will come. But if you lose your family, your family is too precious, too important. Your marriage is too critical to take a careless attitude and not make a decision. I'm going to prepare in advance. So when those things come, 
I will be ready because my life is built on the wisdom of God's word, not built on what people think, on society, on what's politically correct, on what's acceptable, on what the current trends are, on what my friends are doing, what people say is appropriate, that I'm going to decide God, God's word. I'm going to build on the word of God and not the opinion of man, someone else's experience, what I saw in my parents' life, what I feel just in my emotions. I've got to build on the word of God and on the word of God alone if I want to be able to weather a storm. So when we know it's not experience, if you're not married and you hope to be married, we know it's not experience. That means that you can prepare ahead of time because it's the word of God. I don't just get ready by experience. I get ready by God's word. So you can prepare ahead of time so you don't have to go through something to have what it takes to handle it. And it's only the second and third time you can do it successfully. You can prepare yourself that right off the bat, first time storm comes, first time you've got to deal with this, first, first time this comes into your life. Man, you, you are ready ahead of time because you've built, that's what the word of God does. It prepares you. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. So as we start this series today, what, what I wanted to do was just lay the groundwork and create a desire, a, a, try to stir up a hunger, a determination. I've got to have God's word. I, I want knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I've got to build my life on that. And decide that as we talk about marriage, family, parenting, those things in the weeks ahead, that if we say things where we're going from God's word and it conflicts with popular culture and popular mindsets and what's acceptable, that we've already decided that we're going to go with the word of God and not what, what's pleasing to, to culture. Amen? Because there's points where those things conflict. There's points where we might not like what it says, but if I want to succeed, I've got to put my own preferences aside and say, I want, I want to get down to the rock and build my house, build my household, build my family on the rock. And this applies to whatever role. This isn't just husbands and wives, parents and children, children to their parents, grandparents, grandchildren, aunts and uncles, all, all parts of the family play a role. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul teaches on families. And you know, when you read the word of God, you can take a verse or a sentence, a phrase, and you can learn from it. And that's good. God's word is rich. And there's things we can take just a verse and meditate on it and apply it to our lives. There's application and truth to be understood. But sometimes it can be helpful to zoom out a little bit and understand the context and sometimes that context brings even more understanding because you know, okay, this is what God said, but here's the situation and the people that he said it to and when he said it and how he said it. And you can see sometimes how things are, are strung together. That it's not just this, it's this, then this, then that, right? And it, it can help give us understanding. So in Ephesians chapter five, Paul begins to address families. When he gets to Ephesians chapter six, he starts talking about the relationship between parents and children. Now, as he talks about parents and children, which we'll, we'll get to, do you think that's just an isolated instruction? Or do you think it, it flows from what he talked about before that? That he's talked about marriage, and then he talks about 
parents relating to kids and kids relating to parents. You think they're completely separate or they're linked together and you spoke one intentionally by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and then the next came in relation to what he said first. That they're related, right? Right before parents and children talks about marriage, makes comments on marriage, talks, gives instruction to husbands and children. Well, right before he gives instruction to husbands, what's he give instruction towards? Wives. Isolated, just kind of random, shooting from the hip, eh, say this, say that, or intentional building and flowing by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're linked together, right? It's intentional. Talk to wives, talks to husbands, makes a comment about marriage, then moves to parents and children. Well, if all of that is strung together for a purpose, it's all, it's all woven together. What's he talk about before he talks to wives? Before he starts on wives, husbands, parents, children. What's, what's before wives? Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, it says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So before he starts talking, about husbands and wives and marriage and households and parents and children, he starts talking about the very thing that we're talking about right now, that we need wisdom, that we've got to establish things on the wisdom of God, and that's the context that he starts talking about families and marriage and how to conduct ourselves. Then he says, don't act like a fool. Whatever your role is, you're a parent, you're a child, you're a brother, you're a sister, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, whatever it is, whatever your role is in the family or your roles are, he says, don't be a fool. Don't allow yourself to be a fool in that role, in that capacity. When you read through the book of Proverbs, what does a fool do? What are the characteristics of a fool? A fool is lazy. A fool doesn't work hard. A fool isn't intentional. A fool just wants to sit back and whatever will be, will be. When it comes to families, don't let yourself be lazy as a husband, lazy as a parent, lazy as a spouse. Whatever role you are, lean into it. Be wise. Apply the word of God. Be the best that you possibly can be. Make it a delight to be your parent. Make it a delight to be your child. Make it a delight to be married to you. Don't be a fool. Be wise. And he says, take advantage. Advantage. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? These days are evil. The days are evil. People have to put up with, go through. You don't know what those kids had to deal with at school, what, that, what your spouse had to trudge through at work, the different ways the enemy's attacking. The days are evil. When it comes to your household, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to the relationships in your home, take advantage of every opportunity to speak life, to encourage, to be a blessing, to lift people up, to show kindness, because the days are evil. So as he starts talking about marriage, he says, we've got to handle this with wisdom. Houses are built on wisdom. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, right from there, launches in to talking about families. So he puts a context of, of 
wanting to have wisdom. Don't be fooled. You've got to conduct yourself wise. And then he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin things. Instead, keep yourself full of the Holy Spirit. This is something the Lord's been dealing with me about over the last six months or so. And when it comes to church Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, just all things church-related, and I, I, I want the anointing on my life. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the flow of God's Spirit. I know I can't be effective apart from the Holy Spirit, so I'll fast, I'll pray, I'll come to church early and spend time in prayer before anyone, anyone gets here. I, I, I never come out and speak I, before I anoint myself with oil. I anoint my head and I anoint my, my lips and my tongue and I pray and I, God, I want you to speak to people. I want you to, to use me and all of that's valid and, and I should do those things and I'll continue. I want to continue to increase in that. But the Lord's dealt with me that it's not just needing the anointing for this role. We need the anointing, not just for when you're on a platform or when you're in the church context, but our primary ministry is in our household. And there, maybe more than anywhere else, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not just approaching ministry. God, I've got to have you. I need you to use me. I need you to give me the words, make my words build people up. I need to take that same attitude. You need to take that same attitude when it comes to your marriage, with your children, with your parents. God, use me. Make me a blessing. Let your anointing flow. God, I can't do this without your help, without your strength. Father, you've got to help me be effective at raising these kids. You've got to give me an anointing to honor my parents. God, I've got to have your help at, at being a, a godly husband, a godly wife, that as he starts talking about marriage and family, use the wisdom of God. Don't be foolish in this area. You've got to take advantage of every opportunity. Don't be lazy. It's too precious. Your family's too precious. Every moment you have with your kids, every conversation at the dinner table. Time is fleeting. It's passing. You, you can't squander those opportunities. It's too precious for you to rely on yourself and your own mind and your own strength. God needs you to allow him to flow through you to minister to your family. Fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. You need to be anointed as a dad, anointed as a mom. God, anoint me. Fill me. Spend time fasting and praying for your family. Speaking to one another. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another. Let it affect the way that you speak. What are your words like when you talk to your family? When you talk about your family? When you speak to your spouse. Talk to your kids. Are your words anointed? Seasoned with grace. Building people up. Causing them to grow stronger. Casting vision for them. And then it says be thankful. And everything be thankful. Be thankful. You've got to be thankful. Be thankful. It starts talking about marriage and kids. And be thankful. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your husband. Thank God for your grandchildren. Thank God for your parents. You've got to be thankful. Thankful. Now, there's two mindsets that people allow themselves to slip into when they want to see their families improved. I want to see my marriage improved. I want to, I want to see things get better. One mindset is, if we're going to get this thing better, then I need the people around me to get their acts together. I need, I need my spouse to straighten up. I need my kids to straighten up. I need my parents to start making better decisions. And it doesn't take personal responsibility. People, people think, I need others to change. If other people would get their acts together, man, this thing would be awesome if everyone would just do what they should do. Or a second one is, if I had the right people. Man, if I, if I was married to him, 
If I was married to her, if those were my kids, man, I, I would love for that to be my kid. If that was my dad, if that was my mom, they're not, they're not, they're not thankful. They're not thankful. Instead, let's make a decision as we start this series. Let's make a decision. Each one of us, whatever role we're, we're in in families, I'm going to be exceptional. I, I want to be the kind of person that my family, they're not just thankful because we're supposed to be thankful. God, thank you. Let there be moments. God, help me to conduct myself in a way that it causes my wife, my children, my grandkids, my niece, my nephew, whatever it is, to just pause from time to time and say, God, thank you. Thank you that that's my wife. Thank you that that's my husband. That people would feel that way about you. You've conducted yourself. You've made changes. You decided to apply God's word. You've set out on a, on a course, not, not just to get by, but to be exceptional as a husband. That would cause your wife just to stand back. God, I gotta thank you that that is my, I'm so, I'm so thankful. God, I'm thankful that that is my dad. I'm thankful that that is my mother. I'm thankful that that is, is, is my wife. To, to determine within ourselves, because sometimes again, love is unconditional. Fulfillment, enjoyment, very conditional. Sometimes we allow ourselves to slide. They gotta love me anyway. She's stuck with me now. I know she loves the Lord. She's not going anywhere. And it allows us to be lazy. My, my, I'm, I'm the dad. My kids are gonna respect me. Well, my parents will always love me. We just, we just ride that unconditional love and never develop ourselves. Let's make a commitment as we start this series. What, what investment can you make in yourself to make yourself a greater blessing to your family? What changes can you make that you would add value and be a blessing? Love is unconditional. Fulfillment, enjoyment, highly conditional. Let, let's say that you love me. No, really, let's say it. You love me. No. I, I like this analogy, so I just like to let it linger. You love me. You think I'm great. I mean, you're crazy about me. No amens. Okay, so let's say that you, uh, this is all, I guess, just for instance. Let's say that you love me unconditionally, but then I, I, I stop adding value. I stop being a blessing to you. you. You might love me unconditionally, but it's gonna affect the dynamic of our relationship, whether I continue to invest in myself and add value or not. Your, your love might not change. The fulfillment, the enjoyment of being around me is very subject to change, right? It's the same in marriage. Why not say, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm gonna be a blessing to my parents like, like no other kid. I'm gonna be a blessing to my children, a blessing to my spouse to make, to make that decision. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.